Hey everyone, this is a talisman. This is Ryan. This is Jeremy. This is Phil. And you're listening to Tom and Zeus on the Shout It Out Loud Loudcast. Oh yeah. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Shout It Out Loudcast. Don't turn your radio dial. You're in the right place because the album review crew, a.k.a. The Prophets, are back <laughs> with episode 47. We're calling this one, We Got the Blues, and we are as sick as a dog, but we are going to saddle up and get ready and get through this. And sorry to say it, but this time it is somebody's fault for this one. Tommy and Zeus, please end this pain. Please. Well, I got to say, I'm happy here because once again, the Patreons for Shout Out Loudcast have done my bidding. Um, and I know Zeus was talking about this one. I have had Aerosmith Rocks on my list for maybe a year. I would probably say last winter of 22, this was floating around. So, uh, yeah, I think I think we kind of have a, a little bit of a hint at what Sonny thinks of Aerosmith because, of course, Aerosmith is great, so that means Sonny isn't going to like him. So, oh, shit. but that's why we love that's why we love the show, right, Zeus? Absolutely. So we're doing Aerosmith rocks. Wow, yeah, very different than what we did last month, and that was In Excess's kick. And uh, I think we did a poll. Yeah. Also, oh, by the Aeros- by, oh, oh, oh. by the way, uh, we're going to thank our opening music guy. Well, I'll tell you how I I didn't forget because I'm drinking my coffee out of my restrained God of War coffee mug as a reminder to thank Tony for the intro music. Is that his debut album? We were just talking about that. Isn't like his fourth album titled Restrained 2 or something? His third album, I think, is titled Restrained 2. They have three albums. They've done 15 gigs and they're on their 18th drummer or something like that. Yeah. He's like we said, he's the Vinnie Vincent of drummers. They just, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, but, they can't but we keep a bass player or a drummer for some reason, but it's okay. We love Tony. It's, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> uh, so yeah, last, last month we did uh Zeus's pick kick by in excess, which I was pleasantly surprised at the, uh, the feedback on that. A lot, a lot of positive things. I think people were kind of excited that we pulled something kind of different. Um, and the poll was the four songs here were new sensation, Need you tonight, Devil Inside, and never tear us apart. Devil Inside wins the poll at 32%. Coming in second was the awesome ballad, Never Tear Us Apart, at 27%. New Sensation at 24%. Need you tonight comes in at 16 So a lot of variety there. Four great songs. There's really no no uh, no bad answer. Uh, Stuart H. says, please don't read out 40 words <laughs> is one of my favorite Tom moments ever. When Sonny uh, don't was worry, talking, because this time I'm only going to read out uh, 35. Oh God, please don't, please don't. <laughs> uh, Br says I remember watching Rockstar in Excess when they were searching for a singer. I totally forgot about that show. I forgot that was a thing. Did you wow. hear how that ended? I, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea how it ended. So that dude, I forgot his name. He yeah. won Rockstar in Excess. They go on tour. They do, I think, probably a year or so. 
Uh, I think they released a new album with that guy, but I'm not positive. Things went a little sideways, and uh, the new singer was, you know, was do- drinking, doing drugs, blah blah. Well, everybody in, in excess is older. Yeah. So wherever they were, they ended their tour, and they said, "All right, so we're flying back home. Um, we don't have a ticket for you. Good luck with your life." <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Tony, that's what Tony did with his drummer for restraint. <laughs> <laughs> Tony and them were fucking hitchhiking home. They didn't have the money either. <laughs> oh man. All right, let's get to some comments. Aggie Dad and Tiger Grad. I absolutely love this album. I'm a rock and roll metal guy, but this album is in my top 10 desert island discs of all time. No lie. Classic and no duds on this one. Uh lo- love it start to finish well yeah i was very impressed uh oh and then uh, speaking of tony he kept flooding our feed with pictures of his wonderful cruise with his uh his his lovely girlfriend because didn't we say something like does tony ever work he's always on vacation (laughs) he's always on a cruise and he's always doing the same pose in his photos (laughs) yeah uh let's see king kusano says settle down sexy hutchins uh wally vidal great review guys that spoken part at the beginning of need you tonight is steamy also also tom you tried to think of a word when you said suck my blank during the meditate segment taint is the word you were looking for okay thanks jesus christ all right that's what we got for some fun twitter stuff there for uh for kick all right on the book of face here our buddy brad rusthoven yeah, backpack. Yeah, well, I hope we'll bring some backpack full of beer uh, at the end of the month, Tom. Uh, great pick, Zeus. The title cut is a jam. But come on, Tom, me, Sonny. No hits during the first half of the set list. What do you call original sin? Shine like it does and listen like thieves. And not regarding hits, not hits. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how any of those songs go. I can't hum any of them. I know Listen Like Thieves. Um, And regarding the Mickey video, I swear there's a male in one of those cheerleading outfits. Oh, man. Leave me alone. I'm starving. I forgot we talked about that video. Oh, God. Uh, and then there's a running dialogue about songs that we like. And then there's a fucking photo of Tony on his vacation again in the same pose. Oh, my goodness. Al Korth. I worked at a record store when Kick came out. It was a monster. There are no less than five hit singles. And one of my favorites from that period. I'm impressed when a band of six guys can give each other room and leave open spaces so skillfully. Can't wait to hear your take. He's so right. We talked about that, how they each had their little moment and they made uh, their parts just for the betterment of the song. Yeah, true. Uh, Asher Pope says, Sonny Lichen Mediate was absolutely shocking. I 1000% agree. I thought that was going to be a contender for a, like a cellar oh, dweller song. Oh, no. no, that is a Sonny oh, like. Like it sounds like a absolutely pet peeve yours. I don't want to hear a guy reading off rhymes no. for like three minutes. I'll be what? honest. I think the video, seeing it on the video when the yeah. first time I heard it, made it right. Yeah. If I only hear that on audio, 
I probably don't like it. Yeah, because you okay. like when the guy's shuffling the fucking He can't keep up with it. <laughs> Hurry up! <laughs> He's the uh, uh, Stephen Michael of the... Oh, right, go ahead. Oh, You're up, Stephen. Hold on a second. What's the next... What's the next word? These cards are all out of order. Oh, we Fuck love him. Steve. Get him out of the fucking We love video. Steve. Oh, God. Uh, John Kozis. Uh, great pick, George. Uh, was surprised, George? I don't know. Was surprised how everyone on the team actually liked most of it and how you were all so different in opinion of which was the better song. Always love hearing your opinions on things. Michael Death was a loss of an Australian icon. The whole country mm. was in mourning at the time. I don't blame you. He's like the fucking quintessential Aussie at the time before those Hemsworth brothers came around. All right, let's go over to Loudcasters. Andy Salter says, bloody Aussie classic. Mm. My fellow Grecian Thanis Akritides, who will be in New York, Tom. Oh, yes. Uh, what a brilliant album. Good choice, Zeus. Australian rock at its best with a touch of, as you say, quirkiness. Michael Hutchison was... Michael Hutchinson, I can't see how he wrote it. He wrote it. It's a little weird. And he's from Australia. I think that's blasphemy. Uh, one unique vocalist who unfortunately died too soon. And they were brilliant live. Bit more of an edge to their studio sound. Joey, I iron my jeans. Romanic. Uh, great episode. I wasn't a fan of this band when the album came out. But there's some iconic songs on it for sure. But I can't believe that In Excess wanted this record to sound like the future. And then turned around, including the least futuristic instrument in the world, a saxophone. <laughs> An instrument so futuristic that fucking Marvin Berry's band had one at the Enchantment Under the Sea Dance in 1955. Oh, he's digging More like Back to the Future, Mr. Hutchins. Nice. The ironing my jeans thing. <laughs> I iron my jeans. No, you I don't. don't. Put a- I don't put a crease in them. Are you talking about like a dress pant crease? First of all, if you iron your jeans, you should be hospitalized. <laughs> no, you know, like flat. No, 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 dude. No, he w- they look like Kramer when he when he put those jeans on. <laughs> like Frankenstein, he's walking like Frankenstein when he's watching that lady's kid. <laughs> yeah, I said, oh sit my down. god, it's a monster! And Mickey's like, I said, sit down. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 sit down. I said, sit down, sit down. <laughs> oh, God. <gasps> Derek Orlando, that album has grown on me over the years. It's actually the single What You Need from the previous album that I never get tired of hearing. I have that on a 45 and a single when they were starting to wane called Not Enough Time, the second of that. They were huge. I remember. I'm curious to hear this one. Uh, Zane Beasley. Okay, when I first saw the ARC pick of the month, I just rolled my eyes and thought, what the fuck? But within 10 seconds of listening, was laughing too hard to even care, and I'm not an, an excess fan. Still not a fan, but I'm a fan of you guys. I was already thinking that Hutchins is the Jim Morrison of the 80s before Poon, he said it. Great <laughs> show, no matter what. Keep on keeping on. Yeah, everybody was saying that about him, about yeah. Jim Morrison. thing. That's not really new. Yep. Uh, Joe Decker. An 80s metal head kid, you weren't allowed to listen to bands like Iron Maiden alongside anything considered pop, though I secretly love Tears for Fears. As an adult, there's so much nostalgia with this album. I absolutely love it. 
And Michael Hutch- Hutchins is hot as fuck. And I'm not gay. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with <laughs> not that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> that is, that's what he put. And uh, I'm not saying nothing, but my wife loves Tears for Fears, too. I'll just leave that at that. I they added some good songs. Oh, I don't know about that shit. Come on, dude. I like some of their songs. Listen. Well, I, I have their grace hits. I think they have like four songs I like. I don't know. Uh, Steve Ryan. Hi, Tom and Zeus. It's Steve from Australia. Hey, Great Steve. episode. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Uh, how's it hey, going? how are you? Yeah, how you doing? Uh, great episode on one of our most loved Aussie bands, In Excess. By the way, Tom, you should check out Jimmy Barnes. He's an Aussie icon, both as a solo artist See, and as a front you. man to one of our greatest bands, Cold Chisel. Keep up the great work. Cheers from down under. Wasn't he the one that Paul Stanley uh, name dropped when he was in Australia to sound like he was like? Yeah, of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, like so- name dropping the king. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Somebody from Australia gave him like cliff notes on what names to say. I like this bottle of wine and hold on. And this dessert. Um, hold on. What else? It's like what that else? scene in Slapshot. If I can read the card correctly, <laughs> Jimmy Moose Jaw Saskatchewan. And then there's a picture of Tony relaxing on a pool deck again. <laughs> what the fuck? Of course there is. Yeah. Over on Instagram, uh, Oi2VZ24, great album from Great Brand. In my opinion, rest in peace, Michael Hutchins. Uh, YouTube, I'll give you one. Slurry God, love hearing you guys do this review. I think In Excess is so underrated. Love Kick Album, but love the album they did even before that, Listen Like Thieves. I'd love to hear you do a review on it some days. Uh, let's slow down. I fucking kick took five years, so let's see. Uh, thanks for, in, the, in the next forty five episodes, we'll get to listen to like Thieves. Yeah, thanks for doing these guys. Definitely keeps a lot of us entertained. Keep up the great work. Look forward to the next one. And that's what I got. All right. So the email I got from Eric Schwink. Uh, strong work reviewing Kick. Great album. Couple of thoughts. One of the wait, of the forty five albums done on ARC. Kick would be in my personal top 10, one of the best albums of the 80s. This may cause some heartburn, but Loved One is better than Tiny Daggers. Ooh, like, way off. Uh, totally forgot how one dude was struggling with his signs in, media, in the media <laughs> video. I immediately could see this in my head and laugh my ass off. Guess they didn't have the budget to do more than one take. My <laughs> guess is that was the 10th take, and they said, yeah, fuck, so it, it, like, fuck it, it this guy can't do it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, slow it down. <laughs> and then finally, he says, "Looking forward to the review of Low My Fuse by Kicks." Oh, uh, Eric, you're listening to the wrong podcast for that bullshit. That's not happening here. That's, That's a sunny pick. That they got three good songs, the three singles from that album. Yeah, yeah. I don't and know. I, I never listened to the rest of it. It might yeah. be good. I like those three songs. Yeah. So there you go, Sonny. All you pick that next. That's yeah, your next no album. Thanks. Kids. All right, couple more, couple emails here. Uh, our buddy Angelo Capasso. Hey guys, I saw In Excess in 1988 in Hartford. Ziggy Marley was the opening act. He was fantastic. Actually, Ziggy Marley played at Stonehill Spring Weekend one year. <laughs> um, my only complaint about the concert was that they literally played the entire Kick album, and that was it. What? Lights came on, no encore, no nothing. I was so disturbed, I never really rebounded from that and lost interest in the band, but no denying the album was fantastic. By the way, you three need to get a room the next time you get all hot and heavy over Michael Hutchins. (laughs) We got a lot of shit about that. I know. Uh, We wrap up here with our buddy, 
Janne Aslak Rasanen from oh. our, our Swedish friend. No, Finnish? Sweden? I think he's from Finland. Okay. Sorry, buddy. I, f- I keep forgetting. You know, wherever like those Sega because NHL we always yeah because we always end with like Isa Tinkinen, <laughs> yeah, not Toma Sandstrom, Tamo Salani. Yeah, just like you two, in excess was as hard to avoid as it was easy to dismiss back in the late eighties and nineties. Not really rock, not really soul, not really pop. They were musically kind of all over the place while not fully embracing any genre or style. I'm not a purist. Sometimes genre mixing works, and sometimes it falls flat. In my book, in Excel. In my book, In Excess falls into the latter category. This is not by any means my music. Still, I have to give huge credit to Tom, Zeus, and Sonny for making me laugh and feel fully entertained as the guys go through an album that starts like Frank Drebin giving sperm samples <laughs> and, ends with oh, a, uh, yeah. and, and ends with a lightweight yes. Springsteen pastiche. <laughs> Great episode about a meh album by a meh band. Give me more of these not-so-obvious album picks. They're fun. All right. Uh, that's true. That's what we like. The obvious albums are kind of... Sometimes they happen because we love we love albums that are obviously good, and sometimes we pick curveballs like NXS. Uh Sonny, you remember that scene? Yeah, I was, uh, I was thrown in the backyard with my uncle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah his, uh, his was kind of broken, but uh, we straightened it out. It was something like that. I don't God. know, but that was fucking great. Oh. Frank Trebin. Anybody with really white hair, we we always would call it. Oh, look, Frank Trebin. I know. I remember the Osmonds. <laughs> Anyways, guys, we're switching gear. We're going to the Patreon pick. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. 
And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. And uh, thankfully, they got it somewhat right this time. And they picked Aerosmith Rocks. Yes. So we went with classic Aerosmith. It's funny because Aerosmith is similar to like, I guess you could say like Kiss, where they had this whole different thing in the 80s. And, uh, you know, and then you had the 70s band that everyone swears by. Some people got in on Aerosmith in the 80s. And they're not too fond of this kind of shit. And others just fell off after they returned and did their comeback. But Rocks is considered a classic album. Uh, the Patreon people picked this. I don't know who made the first suggestion and then it got voted on. So congrats on that. And uh, what we usually do is we give a quick, hey, when did you first get into this album and hear about it? Uh, do you want to start us off, Sonny? Uh Sure. So MTV's where I got an Aerosmith, uh, dude looks like a lady was probably the first Aerosmith song I heard. And, uh, actually it probably was. Cause I was probably like, what the hell is that? Like I hadn't heard something like that. It was different to me watching the video for the first time. I'm like, okay, I get it. They're kind of probably this generation's like Rolling Stones. Cause I had heard some Rolling Stones and it sounded somewhat similar. Then Angel came out and I actually started paying attention because ballads were getting huge in the late eighties. And I'm like, Oh, well that dude can actually sing some ballads. And he actually sold that pretty good. So when pump came out, I bought it the day it came out. And when I flipped the thing over and it said produced by Desmond child, I was already a Desmond child fan. So I was looking for everything Desmond child already. Anyway, um, to me, arrows, the only Aerosmith I can really get into is the Desmond child Aerosmith. And, I know that makes the Aerosmith's nerds absolutely crazy. Get it? Absolutely crazy. Get it? You're, you're good, good video. It's a, ter- it's a terrible right, song, but that's okay. Good video. Um, <laughs> most of the non-Desmond Child Aerosmith uh, songs I've heard, I've not liked that great. I've not heard everything, but I've not liked it great. For Rocks in particular, I'd heard some of the songs off the album before, of course, because they're played all the time on Classic Rock Radio. But I hadn't heard the album front to back until 7.32 a.m. on November 3rd, 2023. (laughs) And no, I did not buy the album, if that gives you an idea of how I feel about this fucking album. (laughs) Okay, fair. Uh, so for me, growing up in Boston, you couldn't avoid Aerosmith. I mean, you know, that you could. You didn't try hard enough. Because I didn't want to. I, well, I'll get to that. So growing up, I mean, rock radio and especially the Aerosmith Greatest Hits album, the, the one of the most unavoidable classic rock albums. You're born history. with it at the hospital. Yeah, yeah exactly. They, 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 they put it they in the package. Me, yeah, they hand you a copy of it. So you couldn't avoid Back in the Saddle and Last Child, which were obviously on rocks. And, and that. Aerosmith is one of those bands where you don't even remember how you got into them because again, being from Boston, they just they're all on the radio everywhere. They're they're touring everywhere. You see them everywhere. Their records are front and center anytime you go to a record store in the area. Um for me, I absolutely 
love the 70s drugged out sleazy Aerosmith. That's my Aerosmith. 80s and 90s Aerosmith Aerosmith is unlistenable. It's it I can't I can't to me Aerosmith is a perfect example of a band that was ruined by the 80s. It took away all their swagger, all their balls and polished them down to this MTV pop band which I fucking hate. So listening to Rocks, I was like god damn it, these guys kicked ass in the 70s. Um so I've been listening to this album for a while. I mean, obviously some of the deeper cuts on here, I don't, I don't remember that well, you know, listen to this album, you know, preparing for the episode, but a lot of these songs are just, just killer. I mean, this whole album is for me is almost a greatest hits album. There's, there's, I mean, we'll get into it, but um, it, I, like I said, I, I almost picked this myself. So I'm, I'm glad that uh, Patreon did it for me because it's fucking fantastic. Spoiler alert. All right. So Aerosmith uh, rocks. As Tom said, we were all born with this. I remembered Aerosmith in this kind of mix of songs from my older brother and his friends and his hockey hooligan friends when I was young. And it would be this, Aerosmith's greatest hits, of course. It was like Ario Speedwagons, High in, High Fidelity, and then yep. what's the other one? Boston. And, uh, Boston, and then the Jay Giles bands. Uh, oh, yeah. Freeze Frame. Freeze Frame. Yeah. Uh, Aerosmith, I remembered getting into this because of my older brother and them, and I would get greatest hits. And then I went back and was buying all the cassettes back then, cassettes of all their stuff. It's a Boston thing. They're just all over the place. You can't miss them. Uh, I think WBCN and AAF, all they played was Aerosmith all the time growing up. You DLX. Yeah, you always yep. heard Aerosmith on the radio. Um, it, when we were in college, Aerosmith opened up a bar on Lansdowne Street that we would frequent, Tom. Mama mm-hmm. Kins, remember yep. that? That's right. Yep. So, Rocks was just one of the classic albums that we all had. Unlike uh, the, these two, I like all Aerosmith. I love mm-hmm. both of them. Just I love the, uh, the classic, and I love the 80s and 90s stuff. There's some great music there. Catchy as all hell. Um, I, even up to the point where, like, Pump. I think is, you know, better than permanent vacation. And I look forward to, to Sonny picking that as an album in the future. Sounds like it might happen. <laughs> um, but uh, like even songs falling in, uh, falling in love is so hard on the knees. Pink. And that video is fucking awesome. Like those songs I still like, and uh, I can enjoy the classic stuff. You can't escape that. This is our kind of rolling stones. Yep. You know, Joe and Steven were Mick and Keith, and Aerosmith was just this swagger. And we always seem to forget that, like, because we're all big, huge Kiss guys, that Aerosmith dominated. Like, you look back and you're like, Aerosmith did, but like, I remember Kiss dominating. Then you look back and you're like, dude, okay, these are the classic Kiss albums. This one went platinum. This one went platinum. This one went gold. This one went double platinum. And then you look at Aerosmith's classic albums and you're like, this one sold 6 million. This one sold 5 million. This one sold. They're just, they just outdid them. Uh, Tom and I also got to see Aerosmith and Kiss on that tour. Oh, terrible. Brutal. I saw that tour. Brutal. What? Honking on Bobo? Oh, so bad. I love when he says that. Terrible. So So I don't know. Aerosmith was trying to do this blues thing. And this was in Boston. Kiss blew them off the stage. Yeah, it was terrible. Kiss it was opened bad. up first. And all I remember is Tom, I always tell the same joke. And I remember it was in Manso and Paul's like, you know, people, 
we're right down the street. We're from New York. And all of a sudden, boom. And he was like, what the fuck? He had no idea. Stupid. You don't say New York as a name drop to Boston. And even though the Boston fan came on, the Boston band came on a second, yeah. they got blown off by the New York band. They That's got right. blown off the stage. It yep. wasn't even close. Yeah, Aeros, that was a fucking terrible concert. Yeah. One of the yeah. earliest concerts I think I remember going to was Aerosmith when Guns N' Roses first came out. Yeah. And they opened for them. Yeah. Uh, this is just a classic band. They're all likable people. I know Steven's a little bit eccentric, but I love Joe Perry. Joe Perry's a big Kiss fan and he's big on uh with all the members. He's he's friends with them all. Even Joey Kramer and a few of the other ones. They're all friends with Kiss. Except for Steven and Paul. There's some yeah. fucking major hatred there, which yeah. whatever. But uh I, I love this album. I, I had it when I was younger. I've always had it. Somebody bought me for like my 30th birthday that box set, like fire, whatever it's called. The yeah, with the with the match on it or something. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a huge box set. It had all their albums in there, mm-hmm. all, all their CDs. So I have that for my CD that I played for this album. And uh yeah, let's get into it. Rocks. So um first thing we usually do is talk about the album cover. Sonny, you want to lead us off? <clears throat> yeah, so it's got the classic logo without the wings. Uh, I like that the red, that it's in red, but I also like that it pops better with that beige behind it, or whether it's supposed to be white or beige, I'm not too sure. But if it was in the black only, I don't think it would have popped that much. And it's a good it was a good idea to put the diamonds on a mirror, because yes. if they were just on like a let's say black table they would probably look a little weird yep right so then they would look like uh what is it flare the fucking what are those things you put on your jackets oh yeah like like, uh like bedazzled like yeah yeah, it would look bedazzled (laughs) instead it kind of looks cool um i don't know why the rocks is in quotations i don't understand that is it really uh, yeah the rocks is in quotations okay see that's funny i have the i have the i have the remastered vinyl uh, it's not in quotes here. Rocks is not in quotes for me. Yeah, I got it off the original vinyl off of eBay, and it's oh, in no. quotes. That's I yeah. Know, yeah, no, mine's. I don't know why. Yeah. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, but I mean, it's an okay cover. It's just very plain, and I guess you know when you look at these five guys, are they what you would call handsome men? <laughs> no, I don't know. So probably a good idea not to have them on the cover. I guess. Yeah, Bradley Whitfield is going to be in the competition. He, yeah, um, um, what you would call the least handsome man that we've ever reviewed. He's in there. Yeah, these guys clearly knew that they were drugged out messes and didn't want to put themselves on the front, back, or inside cover. But uh, I, I, I love the cover. Um, I think it's, I think it's kind of like iconic, maybe just for us because you know we're from the area. But those five diamonds, like Sonny said, you know, being on the on the piece of glass on the mirror. Uh, the red logo, the red outline of the photo. And I kind of like, too, how the cover is, like, mostly just black. And then the picture is kind of, like, you, you know, in, in the middle or raised up a little bit with that uh, with that awesome old-school Aerosmith logo. And Joe Perry said they call, the, they call the album Rocks because nothing is harder than a diamond. I wanted the hardest rocking record imaginable. Ooh, Joe Perry. Then why didn't you write nine songs that equated to that? God damn you, Sonny Pooney. Stop it. 
yeah, Joe Perry went on to say the cover showed five diamonds, one for each of us. Yep. We saw that this record as a jewel, the culmination of all our angst, excitement, joy, and go for broke rock and rollers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know this album. Like you, you, like I said, we grew up in mass. So you look at this, you, you, you know exactly when you see it, what that is, what, who it is, who did the record. You don't need Aerosmith there, but I always like to get a chuckle out of this, Tom, when I see. I got some rocks. Yeah. I whacked some guy down in Jersey. <laughs> Get some rocks. What do you think? Some stones. No, diamonds. I fucking whacked some guy. Sir, how can I help a you? Sir? How can I help a you? Yeah, yeah, what does he say to him? Like, no, it's how I can help you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I love oh, it. That's a great skit. Anyways, that's the cover. Let's get some facts. Rocks was released May 3rd, 1976, produced by Jack Douglas and Aerosmith. Now, Jack Douglas is their main guy, and I always remember the Kiss story where him and Bob Ezrin kind of switched out where he was going to be the Kiss guy to produce the 76 and do Destroyer and stuff, and they got switched out. It went to number three on U.S. billboards, four times platinum. Rolling Stone has this as 366 greatest album. In 2020, uh, it was 176 in 2003 and 2012 previously. It's Aerosmith's fourth studio album. Joe Perry stated the driving purpose of Rocks was to re-identify us as America's ultimate garage band. Mm-hmm. With blistering guitars, blistering vocals, balls to the wall, smash your eardrums production. The album itself has been quoted as a huge influence on people as diverse as Slash, Kurt Cobain, James Hetfield, and Nikki Six. And when you hear this album, how do you not look and hear the, the influence that it had on a lot of those LA bands, especially those kind of like sleazy kind of bands? And of course, Guns N' Roses' first album. I, I You can't yeah. imagine. It's it's there. Yeah, we, we, we were talking about that yet. Zeus and I met up with Murph yesterday for lunch and we were kind of talking about all kinds of stuff, including this album. We both said at the same time, this is, this is like the precursor to, to guns and roses to me, to me, Joe Perry. And I think it's because Steven Tyler is such a voice and such a face and such a personality and a character. Joe Perry is got to be one of the most underrated guitarists of his generation. He, no one ever mentions him. I mean, granted the seventies was the era of the guitar God and the guitar hero in the eighties. I mean, he is to me. He's he's like he's he's like Ace, and he's like Slash. They're kind of sloppy and sleazy, but they have killer riffs. Like he's he's Slash before Slash. I think the way Joe Perry plays, and you said it perfectly, Zeus. The lineage of the Rolling Stones into Aerosmith into Guns N' Roses. It, it, it's it's like it's like a family tree. It's that sleazy, rocking, loose like rock music that 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 just it, it's not a heavy bluesy, metal a little bluesy it's all bl- exactly it's all bluesy um and i think that that's the thing that kind of frustrated me when aerosmith hit the 80s and the 90s is they became a like a pop band which is fine i know you like them and i i get it they were huge in the 80s and 90s but they lost some of that that swagger some of that sleaziness they stopped doing drugs pretty much is what happened um yeah but yeah but i mean i love listening to like what joe perry can do you know he's he's not like like a precision guitar play, you know, it's, you listen to an album like rocks and then you go and listen to an album, like say like back for the attack by Dawkins, where every single note is perfect, pristine and produced 
like right in the exact place it needs to be. Then you hear rocks and you just hear the band just tight, but loose. And I just think that just adds to the album. Yeah. The one thing I want to jump on before uh, yeah. uh, we move on is aren't you amazed when you look at this and you start reviewing this album? It's not just Joe Perry. Brad Whitfield, exactly. I think that's more solos is more lead guitar play on this album than anything. And I've read a bunch of stuff where he's like, you know, I've heard people say certain songs, you know, oh my God, that's so Jeff Beckish. And I'm like, yeah, that's not Joe Perry. That's me. And he's like, it used yep, to piss me true. off, but I, I kind of got used to it. They do switch off. And a lot of this is Brad Whitfield. And it's too bad because everybody immediately goes to Joe Perry. Because he's and the I lead th- player. Yeah. Well, I think it's when MTV and stuff came on he, and right, Joe exactly. Perry looks like yep. the lead guy and doing more of the leads there. But Bradley Whitfield had a lot of the solos and did a lot of the lead play. I think more than Joe Perry on this album. Another guy who stands out real quick for me again, every time we listen, I always, I always gravitate towards drummers. Cause I, that, that's my thing. I love drummers, but there are a couple songs and we'll get into it. We do the track by track. Joey Kramer. Again, I feel like everybody in this band is so under. Nobody talks about them except Tom for Steven Hamilton. Tyler. Well, that's bass I mean. lines on these things. Exactly. The whole band is fucking cruising on this album. Oh, sweet but, emotions. All the shit oh, that he pulls off. It's amazing. It's so good. Sonny, anything before we get into all the right, tracks? Sonny, here it is. Spoil it for us. Brutal. <laughs> these guys suck. <laughs> Fuck. Over fucking rated. Oh, Over boy, Here it comes. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, no, before we go on. Just so you guys know, uh, remember you said it topped out at number three. That day, the two albums it couldn't beat. Number two was Rock and Roll Music by the Beatles. Oof. Yuck. And number one was At the Speed of Sound by Wings. So Ooh. both Beatles. Both Beatles. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of hard, hard to beat in that era. Yeah. 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 So. Um, I also. I was going to say, quick, mention, name me a song from any of those albums that you fucking yeah, care about. I don't know any. <laughs> um. <laughs> It was interesting you mentioned Dawkins. So I saw that brutal show with the, the that you guys saw with Kiss in 2003. Yeah. The other time I saw Aerosmith was January 88. Okay. Back for the attack, Dawkins opened. Wow. So I've seen Aerosmith twice, and both days I walked away going, you shouldn't take the other act out with you. That's a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. Well, ready to get to the tracks? Let's do it. All right. How does this next one begin, Sonny? I'm back. God.
right. So back in the saddle, just so you guys know, because, you know, I feel like you need to know, uh, my snake is going to rattle, too, at oh, some Jesus point. Jesus Christ. The, okay. I just wonder. Thank um, you. <laughs> I, actually, <laughs> I actually like slide guitar and songs because I actually, um, I prefer blues based rock versus like that opera operatic power metal shit that righty and Steven, those fuckers like, um, guitar riff is great. Baseline is great. All kinds of guitar earworms throughout the verses. Uh, supposedly Perry wrote this stoned on the floor. It probably doesn't surprise me. Um, I like the background noises that, you know, give that Western feel, the clicking spurs, uh, or the clinking spurs thing that had a story behind it, the galloping horse, the little uh, yelp thing on the way out, the yodel thing. Steven isn't my favorite singer of all time. He wouldn't even make my top 50, to be honest, but Whoa. that whole back thing and him screaming is definitely unique to him. Okay, got it. Love the story about that they had to use that 30 foot cord to do the whole whip thing. Cause it couldn't get the, they couldn't get the bull <laughs> whip thing to figure out. Themselves. They wasn't hurting yeah. each other. Like wow, beat the shit out of each other. They figured out it wouldn't work. Yeah. Uh, but every one of these songs and a spoiler alert, every single one of these songs have something I absolutely hate in a song. Go ahead. And in this one, it's the fucking jam band thing. You could cut the whole minute out of the back. I absolutely hate jam bands. Can't stand it. Give me a two and a half minute song and be done with it. Don't like it because I'm a melody guy. And if you've got supposedly one of the best singers of all time, blah, 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 East Coast worship, you two are fucking all over him, about to do him with Michael Hutchins or whatever. I, I just don't understand why we have to have a full minute of, I just I I don't get it, and it just ruins the song. How does how does it go for a full minute? Whatever. Edit that gift right there. Cut that edit. So it's a good song. It just again at the end, I'm just like, what the fuck? Just fade this shit out. Back in the saddle, one of the great, I mean, just fucking legendary. One of the greats. I mean, I love the slow build up into the song. And then you just hear Steven just howl. And this is when Aerosmith was like heavy and they could like rock out. They were fucking heavy. And, you know, Sonny touched on some of the sound effects. I love Steven Tyler used two coconut halves to get the galloping horse sound. The, the, the cowboy boots with the spurs. Like, I love all that stuff. I love all that creativity and that raw, you know, it's not like effects. It's actually like real shit that they're using. You know, we get the sound of the spurs by using tambourines and bells and doing all this stuff. Like, I, I, I just think that's so creative, but um, it's just like stomping heavy song. And, and for, for this era, it's just, I just think it's, I think that, you know, almost 50 years later or whatever, I think there's a reason this song is still on the radio and people still gravitate towards it because it still sounds fresh. It's heavy. It's powerful. It's energetic. It's got an incredible chorus. Um, and I think it's a, a, a Aerosmith staple. And I think it's one of the, one of the great opening tracks of any ARC uh, album we've done. Back in the saddle written by Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. It's the third single from the album, made it to number 38 on Billboard's Hot 100. The the riff, the main riff comes from Joe Perry. He started it on a Fender bass, and he got that riff. Uh, yeah. Brad Whitfield plays lead guitar. Uh, Tom Hamilton's fucking heavy bass. Man, it's uh, that bass line is fucking heavy. 
And uh, you guys mentioned already I had the same thing, the the galloping horse whips. Um, my horsey. <laughs> bit my teeth. <laughs> These wild birds. Um, uh, Steven's lyrics were uh, uh, obviously simple idea of cowboys and sex. There's a lot of sexual innuendos in there. The song harkens back to Gene Autry's Back in the saddle again. <laughs> and yep. he does with Stevens yodeling at the end is a little bit of a tip of the hat. Um, the noise that they got, Tom, you kind of mentioned it and Sonny as well. The 30 foot cord in a cap gun was yeah. to make the whip because they were fucking <laughs> beating each other with whips and chains and, <laughs> and little candle wax on the nipples, Tom. <laughs> Uh, They also tried the clicking spurs, as you mentioned, Tom, in the first verse by using the bells and tambourines strapped to Steven Tyler's cowboy boots by Joe Perry in New York Dolls, David Johansson. Oh, God. What the fuck is like, why is that even like, oh, yeah. Why the is that? New- yeah, fact. Because well, because the New York Dolls were huge at that time. So I guess they had to put that in. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joe uh, uh, Perry admits he was high on heroin when he wrote the riff. Uh, the famous buildup is just so iconic yep. to um, just open it up. And then the bass, boom, boom. Oh, it's fucking awesome. And it reminds me of, of, of two other classic songs that i can think of that ha- are as good like this and i would say these are probably the top three maybe somebody else can help tell me welcome to the jungles big fucking yep, opening the build, the build up yep yep the build up and that and yep. enter sandman yep those three songs i can't build think ups. of another build up and then boom and they hit you with the fucking yeah. there it is right yep, yep. um i like uh Brad's little guitar fills and you know Stevens insane on this fucking ass song. Yeah. Uh, the pre-chorus to get to the I'm back. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. He just raises it and the, the the tone changes a little till the I'm back and Steven hits this insane riding high note. I'm not even going to attempt it. Oh yeah, that, uh, at the, that the riding end. high like there's only a few people can do that in music and just yeah. keep it going and not break out. Uh, the long outro is the long famous Aerosmith outro. And that's Brad wailing on this, but um, what a way to open an album. So even if you don't know, like you don't have Aerosmith's greatest hits back in the saddle, like, how do you not hear this? And you now it's a commercial for so many things. People use it in movies, commercials, TV things. It, it just emanates that that Costanza and Frank Costanza. I'm back, baby. <laughs> oh, well, and, it, and and well, and before stinks. I'm sorry, I got to get that out. <laughs> no, the fucking when I I just saw that episode. When oh had, yeah, when he comes back to cooking, I always make it like that. Well, it stinks. And he's like, I'm the only one. I'm, that I'm back, baby. Uh, and before our listeners lose their mind on social media with correcting us, it's Brad Whitford, not Whitfield. Oh, if I've been saying it, I've been pronouncing. I I just I just picked it up when you were talking. Now, oh my so god! I, so I know we're gonna get 400 emails about the, all the Aerosmith, all the Wittards are gonna come out and say you're friggin' saying his name wrong. I know, I know. I'm so used to it. I don't know why I've been saying that's Whitford. fine. But, I, but I, I'm actually doing it not to correct you. I'm doing it to get everybody to shut up. But now, I'm bringing, <laughs> but but now I'm bringing it late. 
But it's I was just going to say, I was just going to say, now I'm bringing attention to it. So now forget it. It's too late. No, it doesn't matter because we'll get the feedback before they even get to this part of the episode. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, you guys don't know what you're doing. They're not typing it. They got to hear this. <laughs> and they're true. typing away. Good point. That's true. <laughs> We're always so positive about our listeners, right? Fuck them. <laughs> We love our listeners sometimes, especially when they pick. They're on a streak of pick all these Patreon picks on my album, so they're helping me out. Oh, man. All right. Let's go to the next track. child a uh, hot tail poontang sweetheart wow all right first 20 seconds kind of felt like queen it was a little bit different and then they kind of get into the aerosmith thing i had to look up what sassafrasi meant so the urban dictionary is interesting had two different uh definitions one was it's a term used for calming down then the other one was it means something amazing okay whatever um Read somewhere this song is labeled as hip hop rock. Whatever, dude. Wow. Uh, the main riff it has a lot of groove. The guitar tone is cool. The song has a hard rock feel. I kind of like that it's upbeat. Kind of like that it's bouncy. It's got a little funk to it. Brad does a great solo. If people don't get that Motley Crue's "Home Sweet Home" came from this, yep, then you're basically a Motley Homer. Then you're in denial because this is where it's coming from, right? Mm-hmm. And for, I love the verses on this song. I really like the way the song ends. I like the whole, I was a child. I'm just a punk in the street, last child punk in the street. But but then I but. absolutely <laughs> hate, hate, I hate the home sweet home thing. Home sweet. sweet. Home. Like Jasmine Child would have never allowed that. That's what I mean about all these songs. There's something that's like, Desmond would not have allowed that. That is a great song. If that shit is not, this it. isn't the Desmond Child album. Yeah, what, ha- what happened here? All what of a sudden, this? yeah, this. So every song has this. Wow, what a great! And then it's like, fuck, what the fuck is that? Well, something must have went right because it's on all the greatest hit collections. It became well, one of the biggest singles. I don't care. Well, then it doesn't mean shit to you that Desmond Child wrote a bunch of songs that no one likes. <laughs> yeah, well, then they're all hits. <laughs> so, yeah. so was this. Chain number two, we're ready in a minute. 
Anyways, Last Child, I think I love it because I think it's a great transition from back in the saddle. I love when bands do that. You got the 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 super hard rocking opener, then you come to this, it's sleazy, it's slimy. It's like it just reminds you of like the grittiness and the dirtiness of like seventies Aerosmith. I think it's great. And the other thing I think is really cool is I, I, I actually like the bridge, but then you don't really hear the chorus. If you want to call it that until the very end, when he says, I'm the last child, I'm just a punk in the street. That doesn't happen until like the end of the song. So there's, there's kind of like a half-ass chorus there. Um, but I love this. I think it's just sleazy, dirty, like seventies rock and sunny. That will not be the last time we refer to Motley Crue on this episode. I can tell you that right now. So, all right. Uh, Last Child, written by Steven Tyler and Brad. <laughs> look, look it up. Do you know what it is? I wrote it wrong. And so I've been reading it wrong. So, <laughs> wait for it. We're, we're going to end up on Stephen Perry, Joe Tyler, and Brad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Steve Perry's a great singer. So, I yeah. can do that. Perry. <laughs> Oh, he would fit in this band. One ugly motherfucker. He's a handsome man. <laughs> he is. No. Uh, this was the first single from the album. It actually made it higher than um, back. I forgot. Almost forgot that back of the saddle. <laughs> it actually this went to number 21. Uh, Steven says, Brad brought this in. Uh, take And he brought this specific line. And if you are an Aerosmith fan and greatest hits and all that stuff, Everybody knows the first line. And take me back to where, Tom? What, Tallahassee? <laughs> well, it's South, <laughs> South Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. South Tallahassee. <laughs> yeah. uh, but even though Steven says, uh, it says, yeah, he brought in, take me back to sweet Tallahassee. It's not sweet Tallahassee. It's South Tallahassee. And then home, sweet home. Uh, it's Brad's featured spot live when they do this song. With yep. Steven, usually he'll ask, Brad, what do you got to show for yourself? Uh, what do you have up your sleeve? And he'll do a little guitar ditty and then get into this. So Brad, as I said, he, he says he got, he had the beginnings of this song. A song is about Tyler's feelings of alienation and isolation growing up. He was the last child picked for baseball, basketball, and it fed into his insecurity. As Nerd. Yeah. As we talked about it on our Stand-up comedian special, George Carlin. You were the last winner. <laughs> exactly. Can you imagine what Steven Tyler looked like when you're picking a kickball team back then? Probably like 40 pounds and all lips. Dude, I ain't, <laughs> taking, I ain't taping lips. Taking over <laughs> lips, Tyler, your last brother. <laughs> lips, Magoo, whatever the yeah. fucking name is. <laughs> Uh, he was um, anyways the dreary open like dreamy kind of opening uh, yeah and then that funky little come in oh my god I love that little funk thing and then right into take me back to South Tallahassee oh my god I love that stuff somebody I I had the same thing Aerosmith has this habit of having words in their song that I'm like, what the fuck are this? It's like made up gibberish rap words that don't make sense, but they want it because it includes in the rap. What the fuck is a sassafrasy? Sassafras is a plant. It's, it's, it's actually I, a it's real. Just, th- it's a real thing. But they always do these like weird fucking names and weird song titles and weird fucking. Who is he just looking for in the last song, Tom? 
He's just looking for Suki Jones at the Crazy Horse Saloon. <laughs> Have you met anybody named that before? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, it's just always weird shit they use in their lyrics. It's just, exactly. I don't know. Uh, and then I put Home Sweet Home, question mark, Motley. Uh, I mean, I love the funky little bass. And I love the fucking guitar. And Steven's vocals on this. I mean, I could say this about the whole album. He's oh, yeah. just a yeah, step yeah. above everybody and this might be might be the best vocal top five of all our arc albums like the this, vocalist this this album or the song yeah. you talk the, the, this the al- this song no no this whole album oh like, yeah yeah oh i agree performance on this like it's yeah. like one of the best of anybody yeah i mean it's it's probably right there with like mark tory and bullet boys it's right there yeah sonny just said torian is a hundred percent better than steven better. tyler yeah. oh, well i would have getty lee up there too <laughs> hey watch the your witch. mouth the witch <laughs> And the and then you got the ending. I was the last child, just a punk in the street. Settle down. And then the police sirens. And yep. then this album has a habit of a couple of the songs that bleed into they the bleed next into one. the next one all the time. Right? Yeah. And there's some guy named Paul Presperino playing banjo. I didn't pick up on a banjo in this. Song, I didn't. But. I didn't either. I yeah. saw that too in the notes. I don't like. Where's the banjo? But anyways. Anyways, the song bleeds into the next track, and that's this. Rats in the Cellar. Um, I like that bleed thing. I think it's a good idea. Uh, song supposedly inspired by the dreth, uh, the death of the group's drug dealer. Okay, whatever. Um, the Dirty Blues Rock. Love the way the song starts. That feel. This is probably faster than most rock songs and blues songs that were coming out in 76. I don't mind the harmonica. I, Joe does an awesome solo in the middle of the song that the riff gets a little heavier. That's cool. Love the call and answer of the verses. And I love the big type ending. Yeah. Waste 86 seconds of my fucking life with the end. Like, oh, do you know God. what I can do in 86 seconds? Ask Nicole what I can do in 86 oh, seconds. Jesus. Boy, edit that out. Thanks, Good God. God. There's a great visual for everybody. Jesus Christ <laughs> almighty. Poor Nicole. Uh, 
So the and I don't like the chorus. The chorus was whiny. So okay. just there's parts of it that I really liked, and then there's parts of it that I just didn't. And that's like I said, that's going to be well. There were some songs I didn't like at all, so that that'll be the difference in some songs. All right. Yeah, I, I, again, another transition from the first two songs. Now you're getting a real upbeat, punky kind of blues. You know, Steven Tyler said, you know, Rats in the Cellar was a tip of the hat to Toys in the Attic. Rat, Cellar, Toys, Attic. And he says Rats is ca- kind of what was going on. He said things were coming apart. Our sanity was scurrying south like rats. Uh, and that's what they did there with that. Um, to me, when I hear this, I'm like Slash heard this when they were making You're Crazy off 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 um appetite for destruction this is this is this is your crazy um but a little bit more bluesy a, a little bit more of a kind of of a vibe to it your crazy is kind of a little bit more frantic um but sonny you mentioned the solo the solo's freaking killer but i love how you three for three right now three different styles i love when bands do that you so you listen to an album you're like holy shit this band can do it all again with most bands that do this kind of stuff i don't prefer the quote-unquote fast aerosmith but they they do it well here especially that solo Rats in the Cellar, written by uh, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. Uh, Tom and Brad brought Rats in the Cellar in. Um, Tom, you mentioned what Steven said the song was about, you know, and then throwing caution to the winds. Sounds like Paul Stanley. Little by little, the chaos was was permanently moving in. I said, get ready. The roller coaster is about to begin. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, I just put this is so GNR. You know, Joe's the lead on this, and maybe that's why. And you can hear so many bands influenced by this type of song, which yep. they're doing in 1976. Joe's got a blistering solo on it. Then the outro is his long solo harmonica builds a nice little drum fill at the end. Um. You know, the vocals end at like the 234 mark. And then there's another minute and a half outro. And I said, and I wrote this down, Sonny question mark, meaning I know he ain't going to like it. Um, it's a good, uh, you know, pretty upbeat, fast, common, you know, rock song. So, all right, let's move to the next track. So I- 
combination. So I had to look up what is Novaree or Novare or whatever the hell that word is. See, it is a uh, the internet says it is a term used to describe a style of movement that emerged in the late teen, late nineteenth, early twentieth century that folks focused on innovation, novelty, and the exploration of new artistic techniques and ideas. Oh, sorry. Okay. What? Yeah, that's <laughs> why I said. Then I had to look up gaunt. Oh, so I know that. Is Wait, you don't know what the word gaunt means? I don't have a fucking clue. Go look really? at fucking um, Tombstone, the movie, and oh, see what at, fucking, what's the name look like playing Doc go, go look at yeah. Go look at Jeff Keith from Tesla right now. That's what <laughs> gaunt is. So lean and haggard, I guess is what it means. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't, exactly. I didn't know that. Fucking. Um, what's interesting about this is I was reading some stuff and Perry's talking about, and I, I had heard this a little bit, how the other guys were starting to get jealous, right? That whether Steven was getting all the attention and then now Joe starts getting attention because he's going to start singing and, you know, Brad thinks everybody thinks Joe's doing all the guitar solos. And so, uh, and then in that same comment, Joe said that as soon as they found out it was more like a co-lead vocal, they were a little bit better about it. I think it also had to do with just like, um, just like Zeus said, MTV, you know, that whole thing with run DMC, only the two guys were there. Right? right, so it's kind of like that whole um, thing with extreme and more than words. You, if you only got the two guys there, then that's all anybody talks about, right? Right, so, right. Kind of what happened. Dirty distorted guitar. Love the guitar melody slash riff. Great guitar solo. <laughs> about three minutes in, I don't know why this came up, but about three minutes in, the drums start going crazy, and all I could picture was Ricky Ricardo. On the little <laughs> and the hair flapping all over the place, right? That's all I could see. For the babaloo, yeah, because it had no, it had no rhyme or reason. It was just kind of going it, all. It, over it just the place, happened. Right? Yep. Yeah. In the end, you know, Joe and Stephen doing a co-lead, interesting idea, but to me, most of the song comes off very whiny. Like the vocal melody isn't that great, even though the music is great. So then I am. I what was I doing? Um. I don't remember what I, oh, I was on YouTube and I was flipping through YouTube. And a lot of times I listen to YouTube like audio on one and a half speed, right? Just mm -hmm. to get through the audio, just to kind of get an idea. And this song for some reason came up because I must've looked up something Aerosmith. So song starts playing and it's playing at one and a half speed. It actually sounded better faster. Mm, so okay. because the vocal melody wasn't as whiny, right? Yeah. So okay. I kind of lost it at the vocal melody, but I thought the music was great. So you're not a fan of Ozzy then, huh? <laughs> I'm I'm hit and miss, right? I don't. I'm not a Black yeah, Sabbath fan, very but you get you get Ozzy to Wicked, and I am mm -hmm. a fan. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I agree with you. The the I, I like the idea of the co lead vocals, and it does add a different kind of element to it. But sometimes for prolonged periods of time, it can it does have a little bit of a whine to it. But combination, this song, this is the epitome of the Aerosmith. I love mid. Mid tempo, you know, borderline up tempo. It's not rats in the cellar, but this is where Joe Perry comes in with that jangly guitar, the loose riffing after each main riff. You can hear a little bit of just kind of like loose, kind of just hitting some notes. It's, you know, it's not pristine. It's not perfect. Um, Sonny, you mentioned the drums. I said it earlier. Joey Kramer is so goddamn underrated on this. He is keeping, he's keeping a rhythm and then he'll flip and just start going a little crazy, but then slip back into the rhythm. And again, like Joe Perry does, there's a couple little extra fills or a couple little extra snares and bass that kind of 
affect the the flow of the song. I think it that's what I mean when I say these guys are just loose and kind of just like not super perfectly produced. And I think that's what I love. And the arrangement of the song is wild because there's really no real chorus to it. I mean, they they talk about a couple things, you know, repeatedly that kind of bring stuff up. But I love how Steven Tyler says the the best lyric he ever wrote was walking on Gucci wearing Yves Saint Laurent, barely stay on because I'm so goddamn gone. He said it was the truth. It was clever. And it described us to a T. I'm like, yeah, at least you're kind of aware of how friggin' deathly drugged out you guys were. But this right here, I'm I'm actually surprised this song did not become more of a hit because I think it's catchy. It's it's bluesy, but there's still the rock element to it. I think this is a, this is an absolute standout for me on the album. Combinations written by Joe Perry. Uh, Joe Perry does the lead vocals, shares lead vocals for the first time. The song is about heroin, cocaine, and me, says Perry. <laughs> uh, Perry about him singing. This is what Sonny was kind of getting up to. This was touchy because singing was Stephen's jealously guarded territory. Beyond that, anytime the spotlight shone on me, I detected a bit of jealousy from the other guys. After a while, though, the band came around and supported me as long as I sang the song as a semi-duet with Steven. Uh, I love the riff. I love the uh, harmony vocals. I like it. it. It works for me. It's a decent solo back into the vocals and a long outro jam, which Sonny loves. And then that's the end of song, uh, side one. Yep. So let's flip the album over and go to the next track. So sick as a dog. So like I said, I had not heard this album front to back and this song comes up and for whatever reason, I had to walk away as soon as the song started for something to do something. And then later on I was humming a song and I'm like, why am I humming this song? I haven't heard this song forever. I was humming one step behind Def Leppard because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that beginning has that a little bit, right? Um, sick as a dog. A Isn't that by Madness? Song. Huh? One step beyond. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. I'm like, isn't that madness? God no. damn, I am so embarrassed I knew that. Yeah, wow. Oh, Jesus. Wow. MTV. Uh, sick as a dog, a cat got your tongue. Great line. Uh, I like the good mix of like the clear and distorted guitars and Brad Solo's great. That's about all I liked in this song. Because Please. the song finished and I'm like, people think this song is fucking classic. 
Are you kidding? And then all I could come up with new lyrics. Please quit it because I got the urge. Please oh, stop before I drop off a bridge. Please, Patreon. What the fuck? Please <laughs> end this fucking thing. Like all I could think of was please lyrics. Uh, and then top it off with the hand class at the end. Dude, this song was a brutal listen. And the crazy part about it was it wasn't the worst song on the album. This was a tough listen for me. This, this, okay. What are we, 46 albums in to ARC? This has to be the, somebody can maybe correct me. This has to be one of the most polar opposite opinions on a song I've ever had with Sonny. This, it, to me, I don't know how this song is not on every greatest hits album that Aerosmith ever made. The, the way that this, st- this is easily one of Aerosmith's greatest riffs and one of the great riffs of the 70s, 80s, like rock era. I understand that the, the, when he says, please at the beginning of every i get that kind of gets to you i i i was i get that but the jangly kind of loose guitar again and to me one of the greatest moments in this entire album is when the whole song slows down and all you have is that main riff slowed down with just the drums just those two instruments and you can hear every single nuance of that riff i think and then and then when it when it it, it speeds back up it gets back and I'm sorry. I love the clapping. I think that just, I think it's just kind of cool. I think it just, it's almost like the crowd is like jumping in and enjoying the song. Dude, I couldn't be more opposite from you with, with sick as a dog. Absolute killer tune by Aerosmith. Oh, this was one of my three songs on that dorm damage episode, Zeus. When we picked our three bands from the seventies. Love it. Yeah. I knew you loved the song. Yep. Sick as yep. a dog, Steven Tyler and Tom Hamilton. Tom had uncle Tom's cabin. And that became sick as a dog. Tom said, I think I came up with the verse part first because I'm such a birds fan. It comes from that. Uh, Joe said, Tom played rhythm guitar on sick. I played bass for the first half of the song. Then I put the bass down and played guitar in the end. And Steven picked up the bass and played it for the rest of the song, all live in the studio on one take. That's pretty insane. Yep. Uh, the song's about Stephen's addictions and consequences. Uh, kind of a, I don't know, I think this is kind of like an happier type song on this album. Uh, I, I love that each line begins with please. I think that's something yep. different. I think it's original. I think uh, it, it brings out more. It sounds like a little no more, no more. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think they're very similar, those two songs. And then when it slows down to the part where you're talking about, oh. Tom, it's almost a little like honky tonk woman, the stones kind of, Oh, totally. That, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then yep. it picks up and Good then call. it's take it. Like, I yep. love that comeback and the way the song is going. It, it's, I don't know. I get it. Like a sentimental feeling for that comeback. And the like that the chorus and that the band is singing it, but it's like kind of in the distance. It's not up front. So yep. you're hearing them sing that part. And then say goodnight. The outro is so fucking cool. Joey Kramer is going nuts. And then that song bleeds into the next track.
nobody's fault. So heaven forbid we don't have a song about mankind's demise and the destruction of the world. <laughs> you don't all care sudden, about people. Yeah, all of a sudden we get the holy lands are sinking and the prophets are stinking drunk. Jesus. And yes, before I get any Twitter messages or fucking messages on Messenger, I have heard the Testament cover. It is shit. Have you heard the Vince Neil cover? It's oh, shit. Dude. So stop, <laughs> stop sending me shit about that. I hear. Why is it? Is, as soon as we say the words Vince Neil, we all just laugh. <laughs> it's like a reflex. <laughs> Vince Neil is out of breath. <laughs> Vince Neil's. It's like a reflex on this show. <laughs> uh, so Tyler sings a little bit darker here, a little bit of heavier riff. The wah pedal is nuts. So the guitar, the guitar work on this whole album is great. And especially the song is great. Song felt a little Zeppelin to me. But that whole sorry, you're so sorry, don't be sorry that ends with <laughs> they say it's nobody's fault. Dude, that is one of the worst <laughs> supposed hooks and choruses I have ever fucking heard in my life. There is no way. That should make it a, a God. How bad is that? I, wow. So bad. I, I'm like, I don't even understand how this made it. I don't understand how this is a classic album. I don't get it. Um, but that's my feelings on the song. The question I have for you guys, you can just tell me when you tell me about the song is that whole San Andreas thing. I'm from California. So San Andreas means something to me. But if you're not from California, does San Andreas mean anything to you? Like when yeah. somebody uses it in a song, yep. it still means something to you guys? Okay, yep. I that's didn't know. The, we, we yeah no that's that's the San when I hear the word fault I, I, the San Andreas fault it just be, it okay. just became okay. a term I don't know if it's from school or Superman yeah, one the original movie yeah yeah oh that's oh yeah 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 but that, I don't know yep. if that I don't think that came out before this no no but no. that is a term that that I know even on the East Coast yeah yeah. yeah. Um, you, Sonny, you you hinted at th this is definitely Zeppelin. I think it's actually very Zeppelin. Super heavy for Aerosmith, especially coming right after "Sick as a Dog." Like super heavy. And the thing that really stands out to me here is Steven Tyler's has kind of flipped the switch on his vocals. It's not the high pitched squeal. It's like an aggressive, heavy, like like a almost borderline like like metal growly voice, which I think fits the song. This song is just heavy as shit, which is shocking for this. For this album and for this band at this time, um, I think the bridge is really cool. The harmony is cool. I, Sonny, I get it. The I'm so sorry. It, it's again, it's that whiny vocal harmony that they had on some of the other songs. That 50s the, or 60s song. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, that's what my mind yeah. goes to, right? The, the the solo is incredible. It's like a super like dirty type of solo. Um I, I, again, I, I think this is just a fucking killer track. I think it's a different song from the rest of the album. Super heavy, very Zeppelin. Nobody's fault, written by <laughs> Tyler and Brad Whitford. This time I wrote it correctly. I had it as Whitford. Oh my god! Um, I I just look just to be sure. We said this is Zeppelinish. Yeah, presence came out. March 31st, 1976. Yep. And there's a classic song on that, and that's called Nobody's Fault But Mine. Yeah, which fucking, what do you call it, stole on Billy Squire's album. That's right. Lonely yep. as the Night. That's right. And this album came out May 3rd, 1976. So this came out second. So I wonder if they're like, 
I, I thought no it would way. be the opposite. That this Zeppelin, is already in. This is already in mixing by the time. No, the Zeppelin name of the the, the song, the, the name, the, the title. Song, you mean title? Yes, yeah, could have been. Whereas they both could have just been with nobody's fault. But yeah. uh, but Zeppelin added, but mine. So I oh. didn't know if they wanted to change it to differentiate the songs. That's all. But it wouldn't make sense because Zeppelin's song came out first. So anyway, uh, Tyler calls this one of the highlights of my creative career. Uh, Woodford says, Brad says it's one of his favorite Aerosmith song. And, uh, and he brought it in as well. Kramer says it's some of the best drumming I ever did. Yes. Steven said it's about the band, the band's fear of earthquakes and flying. It's a, a favorite of the band. I like the delayed start of the, uh, after the bleeding of, 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 uh, you know, the previous song, sick as a dog, then the heavy riff comes on and he, and, and I know all of a sudden because it's heavy because all of a sudden he says shit in the song. So, wow, he's he's being tough. Uh, I love that pre-chorus that you mentioned, Tom, that harmonized pre-chorus. Yes. It's like, you know, like it's just that, that melody. Oh, it's great. And But that better than sorry. Oh, sorry. I was waiting for Sonny to say that, but I didn't expect that. Oh, sorry. This is an ode to Joe. Jesus, hundred times better. (laughs) Oh God Almighty! Even though it's about Joe Perry, but that's yeah. Uh, The drums and guitar are like Nirvana-ish. Yeah, heavy. Like think of like Scentless Apprentice, Tom, and it's like grungy. Milk it, milk it, and shit like that. That you're like, what the fuck? Yep. But um, this was one of Kurt's favorite songs. I believe it. It's also one of Slash's. Mm-hmm. It's also one of James Hetfield's. All of them fucking love this song. It's like early metal. This is like yeah. 70. This is like proto metal right here. And he's right. This is the beginning of Damage Inc. The same. They have the same beginning. So I, I don't know it. if they did that on purpose as an homage. But the, if you listen it, to the beginning of this and then listen to Damage Inc., you're like, yeah, it's that's the same. And it's not even music. It's just the sound effects that they're using to come up before yep. the song kicks in. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I picked it up, too. When I listened to it, I'm like, holy shit, it's exact. Yeah. Anyways, um, speaking of Zeppelin, next mm-hmm. track. Let's go. Yeah. 
get the let out. So, well, they just did a Zeppelin S song. So you would think this would be Zeppelin too, but I got Motley Crue from the riff, uh, blues rock, great groove, almost danceable. So when it started, my hopes got up. Then the fucking no, 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 no. I was thinking, no, 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 no. The fuck awful, awful. I, I, and then to end with the 18 at the end, I'm just like this. The song is fucking terrible. How is this a classic album? This song is terrible. Yeah, not every album can have a home run. This is kind of a weak link here for me. It's it's still Zeppelin. Yeah, there we go. Slip of the tongue there. Get the let out. Obviously, Zeppelin. I mean, it's still Aerosmith. It still rocks. You know, it's got that bluesy, like you know, sleazy kind of groove to it. It is very Zeppelin-y, um, but, you know, wh- as soon as he gets into, hey, good looking, what you got there cooking? I'm, yes. like, what f- <laughs> like, what? I'm like, what fucking century was this song written? It's like, that's, hey, good looking, what you got there cooking? Hey, that's a hey. Ralph Furley line from yeah, Three Company. I'm, like, I'm like, Steve and Tyler, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's I, I, just... Yeah, it's. I'll not. correct you on that. I'll tell you exactly where that came from. Please and do, because oh, please yeah. do, because I really don't have much more to say. But it's besides, not. Great. I like. I like the outro. Ralph Furley. Yeah, I like the outro of the song. I don't mind that. But the but the as soon as he says, "Hey, good looking," what you got there cooking? I'm like, it's like from a Tom and Jerry cartoon or something. It's just stop it. Uh, get the let out, Stephen Tyler, Joe Perry. The song is about breaking free, living life to the fullest. It's kind of a little sleazy song. And when you think of Motley Crue, I'm thinking of Dancing on Glass or something like oh, that from Motley yeah, Crue. Song. <laughs> brutal song. Brutal <laughs> song. Anyways, the Hey Good Looking, What's Got Cooking? You guys aren't country fans. That's Hank Williams' songs. Hey Good Looking. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Thank you. I knew I was missing something. Which was in the 40s or 30s yes. when he wrote that. Thank you. Hey Good Looking, What You Got Cooking? How about cooking something up for me? Yep. That's it. And that's what that hillbilly shit came from. Uh, the solo's okay. Uh, of course, in common harmonica. No, 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 no. Into another <laughs> long outro. Sonny is definitely commenting on this. That's what I have there. There you go. He did it. I can read him like a book. Now I have to listen to songs for the Sonny effect. Where is Sonny going to pick this apart? Because I'm like, yeah, but I have to agree with him. Yeah, of all these songs on here, this is one that kind of like, dude, like do you like you can't think of anything else? So maybe we go with eight songs, but whatever. I do the same shit. I'll listen to something, and if especially if we're going to review it, I'm like, oh fuck, he whistled. Tommy's going to hate that. <laughs> whistle. <laughs> it's funny. We've been doing this for so long. We know it. We know it's like, oh, Zeus is going to love this. Sonny's going to hate this, or whatever. It's like, we know it. <laughs> and we when we put it in the notes is my favorite. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know that you like. I guess that you were going to say it. I got it right. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Let's go to the next track.
Licking a Promise, songs about groupies. I ain't got no problem with that. Uh, great in- drum intro. Intro riff is great. Great backing vocals. Again, the guitar solo is great. The riff that's in the middle of the song, I've heard that before, but I've not heard very many other Aerosmith 70s songs. So maybe I heard it on classic rock radio or whatever. And I thought the verses were awesome. So I'm like, all right, we're at a song. And then nah, the nah. na na <laughs> What the fuck? I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, about when, and I get it. It's the eighties and not the seventies when I got into music, but that's what some of these producers did is like, I thought that that's gotta go. That, that can't be in there. Right. That's what all those guys and gals that made all those major hits. That's what they did for these artists is kind of save them from themselves on some of the stupid shit, but it's a great song except for that whiny shit. Yeah, this is, this is again, it kind of reminds me. I mean, it's a little bit up more upbeat than combination, but I just, I love the groove. I love the riff. I love the chorus, the transitions in this song. This is, this is exactly what I want from seventies Aerosmith. I think it's killer. I don't mind the na na. I, I, it, I don't mind because it doesn't take up the entire song. What I do really like is the effect of the crowd joining in and near the end of the song. I think that's actually really cool because the song is supposed to be about the band, uh, you know, kind of like delivering like a kick ass rock show, a live show. And the re- the way that they got that, they had six people in the studio, including drug dealers and assistants. <laughs> they were. They recorded them singing, they doubled it, and then repeated it and kept boosting it until it sounded like it was an arena full of people singing along with the band, which I think is really cool. But I, I, this is a this is a great tune. I love this. I don't know. The, the, the title of the song is kind of fucking stupid, but whatever. It's, it's cool. It's when you figure out that the drug dealers and assistants could be one and you could save money. Uh- <laughs> And the drug dealers could be your assistants yeah. is where the aha moments happen. There you go. Okay. They make too right. much money. They ain't going to be an assistant. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, do they mean an assistant to the drug dealer or like an assistant <laughs> to the band? Because it just said drug dealers and assistants. I don't know. Licking a Promise written by Stephen Tyler and Joe Perry. But I want to take a skip back. I forgot to mention. Go ahead. Uh, get the Let Out yeah. is an early precursor to Ragdoll. Yes, I could definitely good call. Yep. Yeah, and which which also sucks because I was like, was it licking a promise or is it? No, no, no. It was fucking uh, get the lead out that had ragdolls at then then yeah, and rag and, and again ragdoll is terrible, so that's okay. <laughs> you don't like that? Nope. Nope. Um, licking a promise. It's about the band's determination to deliver a rocking live show. Wonderful. Uh, begins with Eddie Kramer's drum, then a nice, fast driving song. Uh, another song about someone named Johnny. Do, do rock and roll writers like know any other person's name besides who oh, Johnny had a problem? Johnny went to become a he singer. Would, Johnny, would anything like that on Johnny? Who it was the Tito? Yeah. Well, oh, he was Tito. the king of the streets, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a lot of Johnnies in music, but Johnny always said, Johnny always says you can only drink so much and screw so much. I put bad chorus, decent solo. I sing na 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 to a guitar outro. Oh no, where's the comment? There it is. And I just put like even the chorus was bad too, the pre-chorus. Get a promise. It just it's just stupid. Yeah. It's kind of stupid. Maybe they're stupid. Yeah. Uh let's go to the final track. 
We're almost there, Sonny. Actually, we're here. Bring us home. tonight uh this album's dream on i guess uh you know i don't mind piano i don't mind lap steel guitar i thought the guitar solo's great and, you know steven again not one of my favorite singers of all time but homie can sell pain he can sell the shit out of a ballad that's for sure mm-hmm. and then that screeching and that 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 weird thing that he does it works because that screaming and the kind of the whining and the powerful vocal, it just works for a ballad. I thought the backing vocals were good here. All in all, they got better ballads, though. The melody wasn't that great. Um, you know, songs like Angel and Dream On are much better than this. But uh, I, it was okay. It just the melody wasn't that great. I, I got to jump in. Angel sucks. Angel's awesome. Oh, that's a terrible song. Angel's terrible. awesome. That's terrible. ass. If you love ballads, Angel is. Awesome. I love ballads, and that's yeah, ass. yeah exactly. Yeah, it's, it's not good. It's so MTV. It's, let me write a hit for so, it. So, so, yeah, it's, it's just cheesy. There's not. There's no nothing. All right, when we get whatever shitty album that's on, whenever we get to it, we'll <laughs> permanent we'll, vacation. Yeah, also just an absolute dumpster fire. Fucking hey boy, don't you lie on the truck like whatever the fucking song that is. <laughs> right, this is my little side review there. Right, anyways, back to home tonight. Uh I think this is fucking fantastic. I don't know how this was not a hit. I know I know ballads were kind of for a band like this, maybe in the 70s, they weren't doing it. They they, they had, the band had high hopes for it. They released it as a single. It was a second single. They thought it might be another like kind of dream on type thing. I think it's really really well made i think steven sounds amazing on it i think it's sonny you said i think he he makes you believe what he's singing i think there's a lot of passion behind the vocals i think it's really really good and i thought this and and not just because the title is home tonight this felt like a little bit of an inspiration for home sweet home by motley crew that's how when i when i listened to this um but yeah i i was i actually had never Never heard this song like anywhere, and I, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was a really nice ballad. 
Home Tonight, written by Steven Tyler alone. It's the second single, as Tom mentioned, number 71 on Billboard's Hot 100. Um, I think it's a little bit similar to uh, just the vocals and stuff with Remember Walking in the Sand, that cover version they do. It's a sister song, I think, to Dream On, and sometimes live, Steven Mm -hmm. would perform it as an intro to dream on, which you could totally see. Yeah. The VH1, that metal show, Eddie Trunk, declared it number one on their top five greatest power ballads of all time. Holy shit, dude. Yep. Wow. Tyler's on the piano, Perry's on the lap steel guitar, Kramer on Hamilton, and Jack Douglas, producer, doing the backing vocals. Joe says, Stephen could always be counted on to come up with some piano riff that would be our ballad for the record. And that was it. And I have to admit this. This song would be nothing if it wasn't Stephen Tyler. I can yeah. so, co- so see them being like, all right, I mean, we'll just do a, we need a ballad. Stephen, all right, how about this thing? And he just put, pours his heart out. And exactly. it's a nice, like, beautiful little melody. And he just sings over it. And like, yep. oh, wow, that's that easy. I feel like he could do this on any album he wanted to and any time he wanted to go forward. He is that fucking amazing and talented. It's a great song. The guitar is amazing. Now, the outro to this reminds me of uh, Amazing's outro. If you Ugh, remember the video for Amazing. Song. I love that song. That's just beautiful. Do you remember the video to this? And they're in that like wind tunnel thing. And they're all playing and he's just and the wind's blowing and Joe Perry just wailing on the guitar and Steven just banging his head. That's exactly what this song sounds like. And the outro for both of these are fantastic. I love it. And uh, it's a great way to end the album. Great way. Cool. All right. All right. That's Aerosmith's Rocks. Final thoughts. Let's go to Sonny. Okay. So Zeppelin. The Beatles, the Eagles, Rolling Stones, Black Sabbath, Aerosmith, all the same to me. Meh. Oh, I know they're all classic bands. I get it. They're just meh to me. There's some stuff that Aerosmith does that I hear that I'm like, oh, okay. If it comes on radio or shuffle, I leave it on normally if it's Desmond Child inspired. If it's not, I just turn the channel. I never seek out Aerosmith because overall I'm just not a huge fan. So bring on the hate. I'd rather listen to Bully Boys, Heat, Van Hagar, Hailstorm, Striper, fucking even Poison. Bad English. Bad English. Sounds great. You can send your hate mail to me, SonnyPooney.com, and good luck in a fucking answer. But Aerosmith <laughs> is over-fucking-rated, period. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I, I love I, 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 I love I love 70s Aerosmith and, and it has nothing to do with the Boston stuff whatever I don't care about that I love this kind of sleazy slimy loose kind of just rock you know and to me I know I know that they took the world by storm in the 80s and the 90s with those with those videos with those albums with those soundtrack songs and I think it's terrible and I know that there are people that love that version of Aerosmith and I get it I, I don't, and they have a huge, long career like Kiss, you know, 50 years, whatever, and there is a piece of me that kind of, I could kind of see why people think they're overrated, because to me, the best part of their catalog is like, you know, one-eighth of their catalog, maybe, you know, maybe, I don't know, one-fifth, whatever, and, but the albums that are great are fucking classic. This 
toys in the attic, even get your wings is awesome. Um, and that's the, that's the Aerosmith that I love. And I love this album. As I've said many times already today, I, 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 this has been rolling around in my head as a pick for me. I'm glad Patreon picked it. Cause I think it's, I think it's classic for a reason. It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, Tom, I'll, I'll piggyback on that. I, I mean, for Christ's sakes, I, I even like the, the debut album is fan. Fucking yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Go listen to write me a letter and tell me that's yep. not one of the best fucking rock and roll songs. The, I, I love all parts of Aerosmith. They're like every fucking band. When you've been around for 50 years and you got 20 albums, you're going to have some stuff that you don't like. It, it is what it is. But uh, the brilliance, the, the talent, the overall, there's not a weak link in this band. It's fantastic. And the difference about this specific Aerosmith album is uh, Brad and Tom came in with some stuff and they helped out a lot and they had a big impact on this album. And I think it was a complete album. They, you know, there's some songs better than others, but it's a classic rock and roll, hard rock, I should say, album. And I'm glad we got to it. Aerosmith, uh, I, I was thinking that we'd probably hit an 80s Aerosmith album before we got to the classic stuff, but I'm glad Patreon picked this one. Good job. Maybe I don't yeah. hate you guys as much, but yeah. we'll see on your next pick how it's going to yeah. be. One thing but, I want to add real quick, yeah. though, is I, I I did use the term overrated, and I mean, I'm probably going to contradict myself because I think the members of the band individually are super underrated. I think Joey Kramer never gets talked about. Joe Perry very rarely gets mentioned when you throw in great guitarists. And I think, you know, Brad Whitford, I think is, they're, they're great. Tom Hamilton, I, the band is great. But I think, again, with Steven Tyler's vocals, the image of the band, him being like the, the consummate front man, I think he he sucks all the air out of the room. Um, but catalog wise, for me, I just think they're a little bit overrated, especially that 80s into the 90s, that soundtrack shit, you know, but that's okay. Um, I think was, they are exactly where they should be. As okay. one of the biggest bands, probably, I don't know, biggest American band. I'm not oh, sure I agree. who sold, I agree. Who sold more albums than them, other than my, maybe yeah. the Beach Boys. Other in, than in my them, opinion, like, who else? Yeah. Oh no, in Eagles. My, what am I saying? What yeah, but that? in my opinion, not even I'm not even talking record sales, just popular opinion. I think they're top five American rock band but of all time. But their record Easily. sales are off the charts, which I never yeah. expected them to be that high. But they're yeah. like way up there. Rocks was what four times platinum, which you is know, huge. They may have sold more albums than those Stones. Yeah, yeah. Sonny, so, you were going to say something. For some reason, I'm looking it up. Remember the movie Secret of My Success? Yeah, yeah. The Secret of My Success, right? It yeah, was Michael uh, J. Fox. Michael J. Yeah, yeah. wasn't yeah. his character's name Brad Whitfield? <laughs> I have no idea. That's not why I was fucking it up. I wrote it wrong. That's all. <laughs> I, I I actually really like that movie. That's um, good. It's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brantley Foster. He wasn't. Oh, it was Carlton Whitfield. Uh, was uh, his other? He was. Remember, he was two people. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, and then the girl that's in that movie ends up marrying the country artist Brad Paisley. Oh, really? oh and then go. you got right, the so connection. All them is the connection. Names. There you go. Um, what we do next is we rank these songs. You guys ready? Yep. Sonny. All right. So three of these were easy to rank. The other six were brutal. So I guess I'll start with uh, my number nine being get the let out. 
That's also my number nine. Yeah, mine too. My number eight is please. Oh my Sick lord! A what in the fuck? Wow. Number eight for me is rats in the cellar. Wow. No way. Lick it I love that. I love. I love this album. So the the rankings here could. I could. I could throw a dart at all nine songs. But Licking the, a promise is just the chorus in the pre-chorus. Not good. Okay. My number seven is the wannabe dream on home tonight. Whoa! I thought you would love that. That's no. that's my number seven. I, I love this album. So ranking these songs, I've been yeah. flip flopping all. But I I love home tonight. But it's number seven. No, uh, seven for me is rats in the cellar. My number six is a lick and a promise, and that's only really because of the title. Okay. My number six is Last Child. Oh! Six for me, nobody's fault. That's my number five, nobody's fault. That's also my number five. Why don't you just tell us the name of the movie you want to see? <laughs> you selected uh, <laughs> Agent Zero. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number five for me is Combination. And number four for me is Combination. Number four for me is Lick and a Promise. Four for me, Sick as a Dog. Number three for me is Rats in the Cellar. Number three for me is Back in the Saddle. What the? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Number three, home tonight. Number two for me is back in the saddle. Number two for me is combination. Number two, back in the saddle. And that makes my number one, last child. My number one, by far, is sick as a dog. Uh, my number one is last child. Wow. All right, so collective at number four, we got Sick as a Dog. At number three, we got Combination. At number two, we got Last Child. And at number one, we got Back in the Saddle again. Well, that makes sense. I could see that. That makes sense. Okay. How did that happen? Oh, Didn't Tom had that. Last Child at six. That's why. Yeah. 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 Sorry. It's, it's okay. It's no problem. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to go to album cover. Yeah. Wanna, Sonny, want to read your top five? So my top five, moving pictures at five, four, uh, the monk being burned on Raised Against the Machine, three is come and get it, two is slide it in, and one is peace of mind. I, you know, the, it's cover's okay. I got it at number 34. I'd rather see the Pirates of Bad, Bad English first. So I got it under bad English and above heat um, because heat's just the logo. So I got it at number 34. Okay. Uh, I actually, I like the, the the simplicity of this and I like the black, the red, the diamonds, you know, as Sonny mentioned them on the glass, on the mirror reflect. I think it's kind of, I, I like it. It's simple. Plus we don't have to look at the horrible looking band on the front or the back cover. So they save us from that. I'm actually going to put this a little bit high up. I have this at 16. Right. Uh, kick. Right above kick and right below 10. And by the way, my top five are moving pictures, rage against the machine, blizzard of Oz, purple rain and master of puppets. Okay. Uh, top five slide it in for me. Peace of mind at four. Appetite three blizzard two. hotel, California one. Uh, this is a decent looking album. I think it's a little classic, 
So I'm going to move this and put this at, uh, let's go with 15, above purple, uh, above Black Tiger, underneath purple. Now let's move on to the actual album. Now this will be interesting. Sonny, your top five. So my top five is the supposed, uh, you know, uh, I guess the they loved rocks and they made their own rocks of Appetite for Destruction. Four is slided in, three Hailstorm, two Purple Rain, and one Black Tiger. To me, there's two and a half good songs, four and a half meh, and two absolutely brutal songs. We've had 46 albums. I'm ranking this below Down to Earth and above Detonator at number 37. Wow. I actually thought it would be lower. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's pretty good. Uh, my top five right now, Rage Against the Machine at number five, then Shout at the Devil, Purple Rain, Moving Pictures, and Master of Puppets. I love this album. I almost picked it myself. And because of that, it's kicking Operation Mindcrime out of the top ten. Rocks. Wow. Rocks jumps in at number ten. Operation Mindfuck. Wait until, we do, wait, until, wait until we do Mindcrime 2. Oh, no. <laughs> no Speaking of that ugly fox. Jeff Tate. He's a handsome man. Not Jeff Trot. He's the handsome man. He looks, he's the same person. <laughs> it's the same guy. One's good looking and one's not. I don't okay. know. Okay. All right. All right. All right. My top five Pyromania uh, is five, four, Blizzard of Oz, three, Hotel California, two, Automatic for the People, number one, Purple. I'm going to put this at 23 ab- mm. uh, above the winery dogs, below Kick. Nice. All right. So a little mixture there. So, guys, that's the album. Let's move now to this. Sonny, what makes you rock hard? Oh, we got to change the name of this this fucking segment. I can't do this. I can't do this. Viagra. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I think they're using back in the saddle. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they or I think you're right. One of them, right? Hey, baby. Yeah, I think so. Alice or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So. I don't, you know, we were talking about mob movies. We always talk about mob movies. I just saw one called Kill the Irishman. Yes. You guys ever seen that one? Yes. Yeah. So released in 2011, a biographical crime film about the Irish-American gangster Danny Green. Uh, stars Ray Stevenson, Vincent D'Onofrio, mm-hmm. uh, Christopher Walken, Paul <laughs> Servino, because he's in every one of those movies. And Val Private Pyle! That's who that is, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... If you don't know anything about Danny Green, he was a sh- longshoreman on the Cleveland Docks. He gets chosen as inter- interim president of uh, the International Longshoremen's Association, which is the which is the um, the group. Of, what the fuck they call it? The Jesus hey? the Irish Labor Mob? Union. Labor oh. Union. Okay. So in '64, he gets convicted uh, convicted for embezzling a bunch of money. And then after that, after he kind of gets over that, he ends up kind of rising up in the criminal underworld in Cleveland and basically waged war on the Cleveland Mafia. 
So then the Cleveland Mafia wanted him like out of the picture. It it took several assassinations and 13 years for the Cleveland Mafia to get rid of Danny Green and finally kill him. Mm-hmm. But by the time that happened, the Cle- Cleveland Mafia was done. The whole thing is filmed very B-movie, right? It kind of feels like something that w- would have went direct to DVD or whatever. And then get this. The first day, it does 8,500 per theater in the movie, and it only got to like about what seven or eight theaters because it only grossed 42 grand that day. Oh, the second day it did 62 grand, the third day it did uh 40 grand. So, total, it did 1.1 million. It cost 12 million to make. Ah, ouch, <laughs> absolute bomb! Ouch, but I'm watching it going, this movie's not that bad. Yeah. I don't know if I would have paid to go to the theater to see it. It does mm. kind of feel like a HBO Netflix type movie, but yeah, try, try it. If you haven't seen it, kill it's a good movie. the Irishman. Okay. I haven't seen it. So I'll definitely, I, I love all the mob shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A, he's got a yeah. good story. How many fucking people blew up in car bombs? Like that was yeah. the big thing. The fucking him and all those Irishmen blowing yeah. up people in car bombs. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to another podcast that I discovered and I've been binging and it's part of the ringer podcast network. If you're familiar with the ringer, everything is like pop culture, sports, entertainment, mostly music stuff. And it's a podcast called band splain and it's hosted by this chick, Yasi Salik. She has, I can't stop listening to her voice because it's the hottest, sexiest voice on planet earth. Um, What does she look like? She's not that good looking. Ah! (laughs) Uh, She's just kind of like an alt like chick you know like she's i mean she's probably she's hot in like a you know like a dirty way i guess put it that way (laughs) but the podcast but the the podcast so she's she's the host and she has a quote-unquote expert on every week to go deep into an artist's catalog and and the the person joins her to kind of explain why this band is like big or like has a fandom and they do this unique thing where they play they play full songs and when you listen to the podcast, so I listen to it on Spotify. When when they when they're talking, you, you're, the screen on your phone will say, you know, Spotify podcast, the Ringer, Bandsplain. When a song comes on, the way they have it edited and created, it flips to like to music to an actual song. So they've they've it's it's a weird kind of like editing thing that they've done with this. And some of the episodes legitimately go for like five hours, like literally five hours long, because they will go through like this show. They will go through like an artist's entire catalog. I just finished listening to an episode on on uh, the single soundtrack. They did an episode on like Steely Dan. They did an episode on all kinds of bands, rock, pop, metal. It's really, really cool. Um, it's called Band Splain. And again, the chick's voice is just, oh, God, it's so hot. Check it out. Okay. So mine is a documentary. I love the Kennedys. Uh, JFK being one of my favorites, obviously. So it's called JFK One Day in America. I got it from, uh, it was on Disney. I think it's on National Geographic and Hulu, I think, played it. But I caught it from Disney Plus. And it's like footage of uh, the day that he died, what led up to it and stuff from back then. But he also takes people that are still alive from then. Wow. So two of them are Secret Service men. And, you know, the one's got a fucking oxygen mask on. Uh, and the other people are like some like reporters, um, a, a newscaster. And they all talk about what led up to this day. And it just breaks down all the real footage of that. 
And everyone forgets, like, he didn't just fly into Dallas. Like, he came in the day before. He was at Fort Worth. There was a breakfast there. Mrs. Kennedy wasn't supposed to. Like, all these little things that make you know what's going to happen. Like, oh, she wasn't. She didn't want to come down. And Kennedy's like, bring her down here. And he brings her down. And she had a change. And she wore that outfit. And, you know, when she comes down wearing that pink outfit and that hat, like, oh, things are going to be different. And, um, you know, and it goes all the way down. They even have the guy. He's still alive. That was Lee Harvey Oswald's uh, co-worker that drove him to work that day. Yeah. He's like, oh, he had a box and he threw it in the back. I, I didn't know. I didn't realize this part. He got arrested that day, too. They're yeah. like, yeah, you're part of the conspiracy because you drove him. Look, we've all seen JFK the movie, I think, which I fucking love. Yep. And I still, to this day, there's no goddamn way Lee Harvey Oswald did it by himself. I truly believe he was set up back up there and uh, he didn't realize there was going to be more people and that he was going to be the fall guy. It's just amazing because you're watching all this footage and Talia sat down and started watching it with me. And like, she doesn't know the story of JK and like, Oh yeah, just watch this, you know? And she's like watching him get arrested and then walk to the courtroom. She's like, did somebody just shoot him? I'm like, yeah. "Yeah, What do you think happened? They shot him? I'm like, yeah, right on live TV. Oh, yeah, they just happened to let Jack Ruby in with a gun. Like They were showing the footage. I didn't realize all this stuff. Like, how much they were, like, interviewing the people. Like, are you going to protect them? Yeah, we're going to make sure we have to protect them. There's a lot of people angry with Oswald and how they fucking secured the area. They had the police monitor everything. But they just let Jack Ruby walk in with a gun. Fucking mm-hmm. just go in and shoot him. So it was just... You know, fascinating, and you see this stuff with his son, you know, saluting him. It's just heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. And, you, you know, we, we're from – this is a Boston day. What Kennedy meant to us and what like the literally changed our whole country once we started thinking, like, dude, he was murdered. And yep. everything came cynical. Then came Vietnam. Then came Watergate. Now we got fucking everybody hating each other. You can really go back to him getting murdered and the innocence of our country. Yep. And it's just, you know, you see him playing and he's on his boat and he's at Cape Cod where we go fishing all the time. And we'd always go by the Kennedy compound growing up and it's gone. And he, and he was just murdered. He was banging chicks. and you know. <laughs> He was rad and dirty. Um, just. It's a great documentary. Yeah, this nice episodes. I think they're about an hour, not even an hour each. Okay, um, you'll get through it real quick. And cool. um, fascinating shit. JFK one day in America. Sounds good, Sonny. Where can people find you? Uh, I'm easy to find. Uh, GrowingUpRock.com is probably the easiest way. Or you can hit me on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. And then we had Podcast Rock City every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, so all is good. Tom, are we around? Yeah. So we're shout out loudcast. We're regularly a, a kiss podcast that drops kiss related episodes every Saturday. We do the album review crew once a month with Sonny, and we do a bunch of other stuff that you can all find on our website, shoutoutloudcast.com, And you can find us on all the social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, please follow us and check us out. Yep. All right. What we do next is we end on famous last words. Sonny, lead us off, buddy. I forgot the name. I took a shot on the chin. I'm rearranging my game. Tell by the shape I'm in. It's round. I'm just round.
Kind of like a bowling <laughs> ball. <laughs> Johnny liked to gamble with his lady Louise. She was a blackjack deuces or wild. He got to thinking about his nose in the breeze. Put it there. Johnny looked and he smiled. Johnny always said. <laughs> All right. Get out in the field. Put the mule in the stable. Ma, she's a cooking. Put the eats on the table. Now that's a li- that. How did Gene Simmons not come up with that? <laughs> Fucking hillbilly Arrowsmith. Nice. Uh, Sonny, Tom, Loudcasters, Kiss Army. Thank you. I'd like to thank Patreon for the pick, but I would be lying. Aerosmith was brutal, but I love you. Always a good time. Yeah, guys, always a blast. Love this. Patreon picks always love, especially when you hit a home run with this one. Don't listen to Sonny. Uh, Great time as always. Peace out, Girl Scout. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.